This is Object to This, an Ace Attorney fancast. I'm Stephanie, the Black Lotus of the Swamp. I'm Michelle, Dark Magician Girl. And we're here today to make sure we keep up on our promises of we're going to deliver some news and then we're going to recap a the, the fourth case. Is it the fourth case? The Whatever the last one is. It's called... Oh, we're on the last one. We're the fifth case of Investigations 2. We finally made it, everybody. Right. First, I have some small news uh, ahead of the big news. And the small news is I kept making jokes about Ace Attorney Starbucks last time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, somebody has made a thread on Twitter called Ace Attorney characters rated by how homicidal I'd be if they ordered something at Starbucks thread below. (laughs) So. Is it good? Truly amazing. I'll read you the first one. Okay. Miles Edgeworth, post AA1, 2 out of 10. He orders a hot tea with maybe a couple of sugars. Keeps interactions short, but probably tips well. Will absolutely confront me if there's a problem with the order, though, which, uh, fair, but still. Funny to, to dunk, affectionate on coworkers. Uh, so, like, dunk on after he leaves with coworkers. So, they thorough. all seem very earnest, is what it is. All earnest, very thorough, and I can't disagree with that. Extremely thorough. I kept talking about Francisca Von Karma ordering the new oat milk bullshit, whatever, right? So yeah. Francisca Von Karma, 7 out of 10. Can be very mean if I fuck up an order. Has absolutely made someone cry. Usually keeps it simple, though. Tips are good, but depend on how she found the service. As for a bunch of stuff at the pickup counter, very pretty. I have a crush on her. <laughs> <laughs> so these are all from... At enemies two lawyers, enemies the number two lawyers. Uh, I I am very uh, fond of this person in this thread from the dumbass joke that I made. It's not inspired by us. Nothing is inspired by us. But <laughs> absolutely you know. not. No, I would never. <laughs> no, we, no, I wouldn't dream of it. But if you know, if you did hear me make jokes about Ace Attorney Starbucks orders last time, and we're like. But actually, it's been, it's happened. April 18th, baby. <laughs> Amazing. 10 out of 10. Um, I also have a little bit of, thi- a little bit of just a, a user comment, or a listener comment. Okay. Uh, on last episode, while well, we talk about last episode, which is um, Barclay was like, hey, I haven't listened in a while, but I saw your crazy, crazy art. Uh, and I decided <laughs> I had to listen to the episode. It worked. So it worked. Um, but just wants to like note that, hey, I do actually have some criticisms of Jake Marshall, the character, not Stephanie's art, because right. can't improve perfection. Uh, first, uh, let's see. Uh, baffled by the design. What is he wearing? I truly do not think he wore a suit at all. But you know what I thought he was wearing? I didn't think it was a suit. I don't know what I thought he was wearing, but I thought it was a suit, let alone a blue suit. And why are his slacks tucked into his boots? I know you took your pants and your boots is a thing. I too was a kid who grew up wearing boots and long pants, but slacks? They don't even look comfortably tucked in. They're bunched up. I think his suit itself has a little decorative ribbon thing on the sleeve and it's infuriating. I hate this man's suit so much. Just wear a cowboy outfit, you silly little cowboy. I'm Thank you, Barclay. I'm so happy you did this. But I do have an answer for you, which is that the suit is the police uniform worn by non-detectives. So it's the exact same outfit Mike Meekins is wearing. Yes. But underneath a poncho and some fucking cowboy boots. So he's breaking regulation is what he's doing. 
He's been oh. demoted to desk duty, and he has to wear this fucking uniform, and he's not going to let it stop him. <laughs> live on, Jake, live on, you beautiful idiot. Yeah, uh, it's it's wild that it's double-breasted, though, honestly. It's insane. And, and there's so many so, pockets. It fits him so differently than it does fit Mike Meekins, right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, there's real news, I hear. Oh, yeah, there's about... real news. And I want to thank everyone who emailed us the real news. You've all been so excited and so helpful in sending all of these resources and of course all of you have already heard the real news is that ace attorney characters are being featured in the capcom card playing game tepin i'm pumped it's so important to everyone the fandom has been reactivated from this it's called ace versus the people or ace attorney versus the people and it will be uh, not just Ace Attorney characters, but Dead Rising characters. Uh, Dead Rising Stephanie was a video game that happened, I think, in the 360 era and then proceeded on. And it's about being trapped in a mall with some zombies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so there's like all this beautiful art from the cards. And it is it is actually really impressive <laughs> art, I will say, <laughs> if you want to see the art. It's a little too boobalicious for, you know, the characters that that is a problem for already. But there is some sort of broken statue and they and there's actually going to be a case in the game. So they're going to start trickling out like clues and stuff throughout April. And then the end of the event will be um, at mid-June. So like there's actually going to be a case that builds throughout the months that I, people is, get login bonuses for and shit. This is amazing. The Blue Badger card, the Furio Tigre card, like, they are so clutch. Gummy? Let me see. Oh. It doesn't look like gummy, but it's a good picture. Ghost Mia looks better than... There's a picture of Old Bag screaming at Gumshoe, and it's, like, truly wild. And uh, Ghost Mia Pain looks has, great. Pain has no right looking this good. No. Absolutely should not look this, like, polished. But I will... Let me read some more things. So there's yes. uh, there's titles for things. So one is called The Loss of the Steel Samurai Incident. One is called The Destroyed Statue Incident. That's the one I think I was talking about. And the picture mm-hmm. for that is Larry on top of a headless statue trying to duct tape it back together. <laughs> Accurate. Um, one is called The Lost Pearls Incident. And it's Maggie and Pearl... Cry- like, Pearl's crying and Maggie's just like an officer and, like patting her shoulder and like trying to help her and one is called the monster sighting incident like that monster sighting in tarot bang incident <laughs> what's the, the picture for that one too. uh the uh, that's some like fucking monsters i, th- I imagine oh, okay. that's dead rising <laughs> oh yeah so. probably uh, you you know, you're like goat horn ass weird fucking monster and then a big buff looking one with no legs or a snake butt or something. I don't know. The, whatever. That one's not important. So okay. that's it, right? That's the only news. That's the only news. But like, I've j- it's just like, finally, this game is getting something that's going to draw me back in, right? Like, <laughs> right. it has been such like a dry spell of whatever they've had, you know, and I've just like, I've been missing my login days. So I'm very excited 
just to see some good familiar faces on some good good art you know we always say capcom forgot about us capcom forgot about us right well they didn't they're featuring us in their like dumb bullshit card game love it love it appreciate it thank you capcom thank you capcom for everything that you've ever done for us all the time and never made any mistakes ever Oh, yeah, and DGS is releasing in July. Oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay. Okay, 2nd April Fool's. Um, okay, so we do have an official release date for DGS. The English translation It's going to be called The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles because it's DGS 1, The Great Ace Attorney, colon, Adventures, and Great Ace Attorney 2, The Great Ace Attorney 2, colon, Resolve. So that's wow. exciting. Wow. And that's uh, global release July 27th. And that's the real one everyone emailed us about. Thank you everyone for emailing us about DGS. We know. Don't worry. Don't worry. I've had people crawling, like absolutely manifesting from the woodwork. Childhood friends, people from high school. I'm sure in the next few months this will continue. People from high school, people from law school messaging me being like, hey, did you hear the new Ace Attorney game? And I'm like, it's not new actually. So to summarize, <laughs> to summarize things we've talked about on this podcast about DGS. Yes. These are not spoilers, by the way. These are not, I swear to God, these are not spoilers. These are speculation from us and seeing characters, all of whom appeared in the trailer. Uh, it is Meiji era Japan and Victorian era London. Uh, Ryanosuke, Naruhodo, which is fucking baffling, by the way, that his name is... Yeah, we kept the Japanese we name. We kept the Japanese name, which... Mad Leroy, who has decided to start a competing podcast with us called Unobjectionable Podcast, uh, has emailed us about the Ryonosuke Naruhodo name staying and being like, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, if you want to know more about Meiji-era Japan, we did an entire episode with our friend about Meiji-era Japan and the laws and stuff and like how that would factor in to this game, maybe. Not spoilers, just theorizing and this was before it came out i think like in real life yeah. in japan this is back when we thought we'd get it soon after yeah and we yeah. were talking about it like so check that out um i think it's i think the title of the episode has meiji in it but um ryanosuke and sidekick girl leave japan to come to england i guess on like a foreign exchange ass program to study english courts the jury system is back, like, Leighton style, like, Professor Leighton versus Ace Attorney style. There's a jury. Sherlock Holmes is in it. Sorry, Herlock Sholmes is in it. Uh, Watson is a tiny pink-haired girl who... Whose name is Iris Wilson. Whose name is Wilson now, and she's a genius or whatever the fuck. This game is so old that steampunk was cool when it came out, and it no longer is. Uh... <laughs> The prosecutor is maybe a vampire, and he slams his leg on the table. Um, there is a best friend sidekick boy who wears a bandana, who, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I don't know any spoilers for this game, looks so killable. That dude's gonna die. Can't tell you when, but I did see the poster when they released it. I was like, wow, that kid's really big on the poster for someone who's gonna fucking die in case two. <laughs> I promise you that kid is dying. He's he's Mia Faying off a cliff in case two. 
There's no way he has a personality. There's no way he has time to develop. That kid is dead. <laughs> Take it to the bank, everyone who's already read the wiki, and they're like, damn, how'd Michelle call it? I'm calling it here. He looks killable. Look at his bowl cut. I would kill him in an instant. They designed the plot. The plot has been designed to make him killable. So then the artists were like, "Oh, he's gonna die." Yeah. Cool, bowl cut. Look at him. He's 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 gay senpai. He's super murderable. He's more knowledgeable at the law than Rianosuke. Uh What do you want to bet that this? He's like case one mentor, and then he's fucking drops dead, and that's the reason we have to go to England. But I, I'm not gonna argue with you. That sounds so you likely can't because it's it's happening. It's, it's gonna happening. happen. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else about DGS? Oh, the cool things, I suppose. I One, everyone can stop asking me if there's going to be a physical release. I don't know. Check the website for more details, as the trailer said 75 times. Uh, <laughs> the um, DLC for this game is like automatically, you like, get it automatically if you pre-order or buy it within a few weeks of release. It is Fun Outfits. Concept art, um, alternative music choices. I bet you there's a sprite where you can replace Rianosuke with Phoenix because that always happens in every one of these games. It's like, oh, you hate Apollo, don't you? Let me just <laughs> put Phoenix in here. Um, But I think the coolest thing, and nobody thinks this is the coolest thing except me, the coolest thing is that there is a play mode in this game where you can auto-advance the story and you don't have to do the puzzles interesting so you can just actually watch the visual novel you do you don't even have to click anything and do anything you can just play watch the game uh update on the physical release michelle the switch version is getting a physical release i see okay thank you for checking the website for more details you're welcome here's one of the things that bums me out though we were speculating that one of the reasons it may not have been localized was because it was racist. And uh, from the trailer, it looks like it's still racist. Yeah. Interestingly, so, though, we always say Japanifornia, right? Because Ace Attorney takes place in Japan. They have chosen to leave the name of Japan Nippon in this. So I wonder if they're going to be like, no, 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 it's not Japan. It's Nippon. So it's not racist. It, um, it that is, doesn't, though. Yeah, that's that's still super racist. Yeah. Um. We'll see. We'll see how bad it is. I'm sh I'm wondering if the character arc of the of the racism is that it like we get over it basically at the end. I wonder if that is going to also be a plot point. Oh, you Nipponese aren't so bad, actually. Well, that's not. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> it's not like one. I'm. I finally met one person, and I decided that they're okay, and so I, therefore I'm not racist ever again. It's like that's not. Whatever, you know. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, the game looks pretty. Looks very polished. The voice acting sounds good. My weirdest thing is that our main boy screams yes. Yeah, we made fun of Eureka for so long, but now we have someone who just screams yes. Just, just confusing to me. Oh, and the oh shit bar, bar is gone. We're back to the oh shit exclamation points. Oh uh, yeah, we Except are Except they're those. the oh shit sparkle. 
from the logo. You know the logo? Yeah, the logo. Yeah, the oh shit sparkle from the logo. <laughs> well, I'll, that, uh, you know what the oh shit bar did, like, being replaced back doesn't bother me so much in theory, but maybe in practice it will, so we'll see. Truly, I don't remember if Spirit of Justice already did this to us, actually, so I may be like have just fog, oh they did i forgot but uh so this oh shit sparkles better than the oh shit magatama sperm that's true that's true i just missed the oh shit bar i liked the oh shit bar better especially we just played investigations too which had an oh shit bar i think it did yeah it did because the oh shit bar like uh it's easier to feel the stakes i think if it's like oh it's just a little knock off my bar oh that's like half my bar yeah when it's half your bar you're like oh shit which is the point yeah, so I think the bar is more effective, but for some reason they went back, and that's that's gonna be whatever. Um, I guess we shall see yeah. what 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 comes about. We'll play it. Uh, we'll probably do what we normally do, which is we'll play it and then give you the case by case breakdown. But yeah, we're probably not we as we usually don't. We're not gonna necessarily hot off the presses it because. We don't want people who take a little while to play games to get spoiled necessarily. So we will trickle it out. We'll make sure we give spoiler warnings uh, either on the top of the episode or when we are going to talk about it. Like we usually do and like we're about to do in a few minutes. So Yes. Uh, in terms of uh, reactions from people that I have heard, it's people being like, oh my god, are you losing your mind? Like... Green Pepsi crawled out of the woodworks and said, how many years did it take them to swap two letters? How much brain power did Herlock Holmes take? How many lawyers did they have to hire? <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's true, too. Because, I mean, it, truly, if the reason was actually copyright and they just did Herlock Holmes and now everyone on the Internet, on Twitter and Facebook or on Tumblr are like busy being like, Actually, Herlock Sholmes is such a good way to avoid copyright because it's a historical lesson. Because this happened back when uh, Lupin the Third or whatever, not Lupin the Third, but like the Lupin books were coming out and he wanted to do Herlock Sholmes also. So this is actually extremely clever. The localization team suck my dick. These came out in 2016. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you could you could think it's clever. I, I think it's, uh, uh, really? I have to say Herlock Sholmes with my mouth now. I do have to say it with my with mouth With my now. mouth. I have a podcast where I have to say Herlock Sholmes all the time. It sounds like I'm about to puke. Herlock <laughs> Sholmes. Like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, the only other uh, real big, uh, based on the art, so like the art that they're using, which is very big and beautiful and like watercolored, the only response that I have that's noteworthy here is, the hell, they all have swords. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very funny to think about of like, it's an attorney game. They all have swords. I do like that. I mean, that's some Simon Blackwell shit, right? Like, yeah. Heck yeah. Give them all swords. Just give them all Listen, we, we, we hinted at it with Simon. Now we're just going to give him the sword. I'm, sure, I'm sure Herlock Sholmes is going to have like a fucking gun. Watch him have like a steampunk ass gun. I'm sure he has a gun. Absolutely. He has a gun. I'm sure, I'm sure Baron Von Zeek has a, has a sword. Well, Baron Von Zeke is, he's, uh, I don't know. I, I am excited to meet Baron Von Zeke. I can't believe he's the prosecutor for both games, though. Is he? Yeah. I, well, 
As far as I know, I feel like they would have teased a different prosecutor if there was one. Yeah, and he's big on the poster, although there's someone on the poster standing with their back to the camera behind, like in the center frame, kind of in the... So maybe that's the other prosecutor, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But you know what? Like, we got it, guys. We got the news. We got it. We slam dunked it. I'll get used to Herlock Holmes. Um, I won't, promise. Or maybe I'll just say it weird every single time. Um, Please do. One thing that Mad Leroy said in his email that I I thought about a little bit is that, like, naming him Herlock Sholmes, uh distances him, clearly, from, Herlock, from Sherlock Holmes, which uh, made Mad Leroy feel more comfortable with the character because it's not a bastardization of Sherlock Holmes. And this made me kind of, like, think. Because, like, back when I was in high school... I was very possessive of Sherlock Holmes, the concept, like, you know, as someone who actually read the books and, and wore that as kind of a badge of honor, I was like, this is what real Sherlock Holmes is like. And these dumb TV shows are not like what real Sherlock Holmes is like, but I'm almost 30 now. So one, sorry, teens, bye. Uh, and two, who fucking cares? (laughs) Fucking everyone can be Sherlock Holmes. Who fucking cares? Uh, yeah, I, at this point, I, I've I've seen more jokes of Sherlock Holmes than I have seen something that made me respect Sherlock Holmes. There, Sherlock, yeah, there. I mean, most of most things are jokes of Sherlock Holmes. Like, I mean, in R.E. the canon, but also like Sir, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle fucking hated Sherlock Holmes. I, you know, like. Sherlock Holmes didn't actually solve mysteries at the end. If you read them, there's no real clues leading up to it. Just at the end, Sherlock Holmes monologues about it. So I don't know if he's actually deserving of my respect. At the same time, <laughs> you know what? Just let the fucking weird blonde Bishonen steampunk boy be Sherlock Holmes. Sure. Ace Attorney's full of dumb weird shit. Of course this is Sherlock Holmes. Of course he is. You know? There's a prosecutor who's a vampire, he drinks wine, he slams his leg on the table. There's a there's a blind dude with a perfect scar that is like just picture perfect down his face and he can't see the color red even though it's the future or whatever. Fine. There's a puddle you can see dead people's moment of dying in it and yet we still haven't been able to craft our legal system in a functional way. Yeah, fucking fine. That guy being Sherlock Holmes is the least dumb weird thing in Ace Attorney. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I get it. <laughs> fucking, um, fucking Chibi Watson would make a, a purist more mad, I think. Yeah, I think I, that that's how I feel. Uh, between the two, I'm like, we're doing a Chibi Watson. Chibi, yeah. Chibi Watson, genius girl who looks exactly like Chibi Usa, but steampunk also. Uh, like That mostly just upsets me in the way that it's like, oh, we had to get our small, cute girl quota in, Ace Attorney. Yeah, that kind of of pisses me off in the sort of, like, Ace Attorney, we didn't need this one. The trope of, like, a tiny genius girl who does adult jobs or whatever. Like, uh, you know, we could have done, we could have done without this anime one, but I guess they just reached in an anime versus plausible hat and they pulled out (laughs) that girl from Bleach who rides on Kenpachi's shoulder, huh? Yeah. (laughs) You know, or any other anime, go ahead, any other anime, like that, oh, the chibi girl from that other anime who's actually secretly a grown-up genius who could do adult things. Emma, but younger and possibly less tragic. Let's do it. Well, like, don't hold your breath. I'm not. 
Uh, I'm put her in bloomers. That makes it different. That makes it steampunk. You can't see my deadpan face after that. <laughs> no, this is an audio medium. It's an audio medium, but just know I'm. Whenever I say "put her in bloomers," it's followed by that emoji where everything is flat. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're not. We are not griping. We don't. You know, it's. We're not. You know, it's all good. This is. This is the content you crave, anyways. So, <laughs> I hope these these goofs have made you laugh. I I am going to play this, and I am sure, like once the game is in my hand, I will feel that surge of Ace Attorney excitement that I crave. But right, you know, like I think for like Spirit of Justice and Dual Destinies, we got to live like the content teasers, and then we got the game. And so this one, we had to wait for a few years. So we <laughs> kind of have already got the content teasers. We've sat on them for a while, That's, so now it's just yeah. like, all right, just give me the game already. Yeah, and I think that's yes. like our our sort of everyone is excited and texting us because they're excited, and the, our excitement is tempered simply because, you know, years ago in the in the before times, and not just the before times, the like, I don't know, I've gone through like four or five jobs <laughs> since DGS was announced. It was a lifetime it was ago. A, it was a lifetime ago when DGS was announced. And so, like, we already know all of these things. We just get to see them in our language now. So we're just, we are moderately excited. And we had also been expect, you know, we had been, we had our hands, our fingers on the pulse of the Capcom leak of the yeah, orchestra the ha- concert and stuff. So we've just kind of also been waiting for the news to drop in a way. Yeah, it but was also kinda- we had it was kind of like, we were talking about it with the concert, right? We were like, oh, maybe they'll announce CGS. And then it didn't happen. And then it was just a fucking Wednesday. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, oh, you didn't even bother to do it on 420, huh? You didn't do it on 421, huh? Okay, like a completely unremarkable last day. All right, Ace Attorney, whatever you say, Shutsukumi. <laughs> yeah. We just like had been anticipating some sort of like spectacle. And so we had always been like, it might happen, and it probably won't happen, because we're always trying to temper our expectations. I'm going to Google real quick whether, when the first Ace Attorney game, because it's the 20th anniversary, so was it on the exact 20th anniversary? You let me know. October 12th, 2001. <laughs> so no, it wasn't <laughs> even on the 20th anniversary. It was on a fucking Wednesday. Nothing gets announced on Wednesdays. No. And it was via Twitter, or was it via Nintendo Direct? I don't follow Nintendo Directs. Let me let me check. I will look a fool if it was, if there was a Nintendo Direct. No, it wasn't. I don't know. Nintendo Direct Archive doesn't have one since goddamn G- or February, so it wasn't Nintendo Direct. Like, it was just a Wednesday. Well, that's all the news I got for you. <laughs> yeah, are you all newsed out? Because now, now we gotta go on an odyssey here. Oh boy, I hear those knuckles cracking. Alright, those of you who do not want spoilers, we're about to talk about the Grand Turnabout, the last case in Investigations 2, so we'll catch you on the flip. Turn it off now. Alright, here we are, Investigations 2. This is the last chunk of the Investigations game, and after this I think we're going to do a big wrap-up with friend of the podcast, Kevin. Talk about all our feelings and thoughts and everything about Investigations 2. And I guess it's just in time to have, like, a barely a little bit of breathing room before DGS. So there you go. Look there you at go. this. We timed it perfectly unintentionally. Who could have known? Uh, yes. So, okay. You ready, Stephanie? You I'm ready. 
so yeah, last time on Dragon Ball Z, Judge Courtney told us that the dead lady from the last case, her name was Jill. Her boyfriend was a photojournalist who died 12 years ago and was murdered trying to track the black market auction. Put a little asterisk next to that for a second. We'll come back mm-hmm. to that. Uh, also, Sebastian like ran away crying, So, and that's bad because it's 9.15 a.m. He has court in 45 minutes to prosecute Patricia Rowland. Edgeworth, recently undisgraced but still badgeless and pretty cool with it, doesn't get his badge back, and he's pretty cool with it. Kay is not cool with it. Kay recently recovered from amnesia, but is still a little weirded out because she distinctly remembers someone drugged her at Gord Lake and then some shit with a floating raincoat person. And it doesn't add up. Uh, in the black market upstairs storeroom, we get a phone call from Shelly to Killer on the transceiver from Justice for All, even though it looks completely different. And he says that there's a mastermind behind the case. Oh, and you haven't caught it, but I will be watching you closely. That's Shelly to Killer. Okay, that's last last time on Dragon Ball Z. Smash cut. It's the Grand Tower. Black market evidence storeroom. There's a window there. If you recall, there's these big loud stomping noises and suddenly a giant eyeball opens in the storeroom window and a giant kaiju with horns and pointy hooves roars. And that's the preview. (laughs) You said smash cut, but it was just a funny juxtaposition because we were already in that room. (laughs) I know. Yeah, smash cut. Other time in that room. <laughs> earlier that earlier the previous night. And at an unclear time. Alright, it's ten AM. Edgeworth K and Lada are downstairs outside the Grand Tower being like, Well, what do we do now? Hold on, let me just put a pin this. Hey everyone, you think Lada's gonna leave at any point? She doesn't. <laughs> Lada stays for the rest of the fucking game. Yeah, if you are picturing any of these scenes, uh Lada's there too. Lana never leaves. It's so baffling. Okay, continue. Yeah, that's why I noted her here is because I don't want you to think it's just Edgeworth alone, Edgeworth and Kay alone being like, oh, let's get breakfast. No, Lana's here too. <laughs> All right. So they're like, what now? And they hear a scream. They run nearby. Remember that there's a movie feel filming here. So they run to the film lot. The film lot is essentially a parking lot with big metal fences surrounding it. A tiny little studio building, which is, for some reason, on stilts and up some stairs. Uh, There's a bunch of shit everywhere, including a camera crane, a Mozilla costume that could, like, somebody could get into, a giant Mozilla head. Who's Mozilla? I'm glad you asked. Uh, That's, it's the Godzilla for this fucking movie. It's a cow. It's a giant cow. Mozilla head on the roof of the studio building. And then there's, like, little planters. Uh, There's three little planters. Where flower, you know, flower bed planters. Why are they in this studio building? Why are they filming next to these planters? Nobody knows. Don't worry about it. They're just there. They're just there. So the screen was Penny Nichols, our friend Penny from the Steel Samurai case. Also, Shilong Lang is here. Also, the dead body of President Di Jun Huang, the president of Zhangfa. Everyone's here. <laughs> so Di Jun Huang, first case in Investigations 2. There was an assassination attempt on him, remember? And uh, when we busted his ass, actually, he was, like, he's ripped as hell, except for when we busted his ass, he, like, started melting and was melty and sad. Um, The corpse here is the ripped as hell version. The corpse is inside of a giant hoof print that has been, like, embedded into the concrete. You know, like a giant Godzilla stomp, right? Right. Um, 
lot he's is covered in mustard. Yeah, he's 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 covered in mustard <laughs> on his chest. <laughs> it's just a big ass stain of yellow. Um, so Lot is here, and she's like, "Holy shit, Muzilla killed him." Didn't I tell y'all during my extensive ass testimony last case two hours ago that I saw Muzilla in the storeroom last night? And we're like, no, Lada, you fucking didn't. <laughs> How did she leave that out? Uh, Lada's, Lada's a special little little duck. Lada, Jesus Christ. Anyway, so there's a dead body in Ace Attorney game, so of course we investigate. I mean, we talked to Lang. Lang explains that he heard Penny scream, so he ran through the rear entrance. There's two entrances. Rear entrance, which had been locked with a chain, but the chain was cut open. Okay? The fence mm-hmm. nearby, super fucked up and broken. Dented, you know? Mm-hmm. Lang is also like, oh, by the way, here's my backstory. My dad was President Huang's close bodyguard, and the Lang clan has been responsible for protecting the president forever. But 12 years ago, the president changed and fired the entire clan and hired private security instead. And he weighed the body. (laughs) You know, simple as that. Let me just explain my clan. It's better than having an entire flashback case where we live it. (laughs) That's true, and we'll get into that, I think. Um, so the body, giant hoof print, it's not squished, ripped as hell, mustard on his chest, chunk of horn nearby, like Mozilla horn. Mm-hmm. Penny confirms that, hey, those hoof prints, they weren't there last night. And also the camera crane was covered with a sheet last night because it rained. And the horn is from the big Mozilla head that's on top of the studio. By the power of our amazing logic, we deduce that big Mozilla head fall down break dent fence. Wow. So laying pieces, uh, I think, to get the boys, John Marsh shows up. We saw John Marsh briefly earlier, but Stephanie, would you like to uh, describe John Marsh, the star of the movie, and also an attitudinal 13-year-old? Oh, yes. Uh, let me pull up a picture so I can do him justice. Okay, so John Marsh is a, he's supposed to be a 13-year-old boy, but he looks like he's eight. Um, (laughs) He also is very much like a broody shonen boy. He's wearing a red zip-up hoodie that's got black splotches all over it that look like like a cow, like, pattern to him. He's got these tiny little horns clipped into his head. He's got, like, Edgeworth bangs, but they're much longer, and they kind of, like, swoop a little back. Um giving him a very aerodynamic look to him. Uh, his pants are just some, like, blue cutoffs, uh, blue jean cutoffs, and then, like, uh, some black shoes. And he's got a square little backpack, and it's got a little, like, a uh, cow keychain on it, and uh, you see him often pop open a carton of milk and chug it. Yeah, presumably for Edward Elric reasons, like, he's short and he thinks the milk will make him grow. Yes. Uh, unproven. Anyway, so... John Marsh shows up. We get a photo of the scene of the crime last night. No hoof prints or body. We go check out the roof of the studio. Edgeworth pieces together that there's a doll there. The Muzilla doll. It's President Huang's Muzilla doll from the first case. Uh, that And the last case, where the previous case, where it recorded the sound of the murder. Mm-hmm. Edgeworth also notices that big Muzilla head on is on a table. Table legs... They were burned off with fire. So, clearly, 
Logic dictates a small OSHA violation burned this table, which then made the head fall. You know. We're, yeah. we're good at this, clearly. We're solving murders left and right. Doing it. We're doing it. Lane comes back. He's got bodyguards, police officers, and the authority to investigate. The cops just were like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Do it. Uh, he also has footage from the top floor viewing platform, which shows that President Huang and Justine Courtney took up the elevator uh, at 11.05 p.m. the night before last. So, not last night, night before last. The footage only shows Judge Courtney leaving. So, President and Courtney come up. Courtney, go down. She also is holding a bouquet of flowers. Don't worry about it. Uh, so Lang is, at this point, Lang is finally like, wait, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Edgeworth, why are you here? Edgeworth's like, uh, but then they bond about being motivated by things that are not just their title since they've both been disgraced and stripped of their title. As if that's how the law works, where you can just investigate crime scenes if you're passionate about it. Anyway. Legs right at your throat, and he says, uh, Courtney pushed Huang off the roof. And you're like, aha, but we have a photo of last night, and there's no body. And there was, they were on the roof the night before last night, so there would be a body if she, and then he, we would just would have found him two days later. Edgeworth is like, hey, did you hear about this sick-ass black market that was happening? Maybe the president left through the black market. This is very insulting to Shilong Lang. Um, Penny is still around. She's like, hey, John Marsh was here last night practicing and there were tiny footprints found near the body, like, like small child footprints. Uh Uh-oh. So we all turn to look at John Marsh, who has booked it and is no longer here. (laughs) John. Oh, shit. Don't look so good on you. So the whole crowd, which if you recall is Lada, Edgeworth, K, Penny, Lang, Uh, We all run to go find John. We run into Gumshoe. We're like, where's the kid? I mean, Lang just keeps running. So Lang is following the kid. And then us and Gumshoe and one of Lang's little men in black dudes says some cryptic shit about how the Lang team disbanded because he's chasing a 12-year-old ghost. Sad. That's cool. That's a normal thing that normal people would say. (laughs) So anyway, we're like, Lang can handle the kid. Let's go talk to Courtney. She is, of course, the judge at the Patricia Rowland trial, so we just waltz into court. Cool. Ray Shields is defending for some fucking reason. Like, I can't figure out why Ray Shields is the defense of Patricia Rowland. Because we didn't want to introduce another defense attorney in this game, so here it is, Ray Shields. Yeah, I guess. So, Francie's on prosecution because Sebastian DeBest has has run away. Nobody knows where he is. Um, It's not going well because the murder weapon is missing from evidence. So, Francie's like, shit. The chisel with the bell on it. Uh, No one knows where it is. Judge Courtney moves to dismiss the trial because of the missing evidence. uh, So, she would go free. Um, They ask for recess. We're there, so Edgeworth is like, okay, I'll find Sebastian and or find the evidence if you guys can stall. So they're like, okay, sure, we'll stall. Edgeworth goes to the next room. There's Judge Courtney. (laughs) She's being cagey and all flustered. Uh, She knew 
a, we talked to her. She knew what's going on at the film lot. She's insisting she must render a verdict, even though she's worried about Sebastian. And then she says, I'm worried about Sebastian as well, right? Mm-hmm. What, is, what does that say to you, Stephanie? If you said, uh, even though I'm also worried about Sebastian, uh, I have to render a verdict. Uh, it sounds like you're worried about something else. Oh, see, to me, it sounds like you, you Edgeworth, are also worried about Sebastian. <laughs> oh, well, yes, it also sounds like that as well. <laughs> but Edgeworth had the instinct you had, which is like, oh, Courtney could, p- couldn't possibly have meant that I'm worried about Sebastian because I wouldn't be. <laughs> and so <laughs> she must be worried about something else. So he grills her until she admits that she's worried about John Marsh, who's also her son and also has been kidnapped. <laughs> And this is where I, Stephanie, stopped and spent a lot of time trying to figure out how how could Courtney possibly be a boy's mom, this boy's mom. It, it's explained later. It is explained later. But yeah, we spent a while being like doing math, being like, well, it's pretty improbable, you know? <laughs> like, So Courtney is like, yes, my son's been kidnapped and they won't release her unless I get an acquittal for Patricia Rowland. And she's like freaking out a lot. Partially because her son's kidnapped, but like a majority of her freaking out is that she's not able to do her judicial job correctly because she has feelings. And Edgeworth is like, no one would sacrifice their child for an impartial judgment. You're fine. You're, it's okay. It's okay to have feelings. Instead of like the normal fucking thing to say, which is like, we should call the cops. You shouldn't do the trial because they're blackmailing you. <laughs> And it's going to be a mistrial either way. So you don't have to worry about your ruling on this one there, babe. But whatever. <laughs> Edgeworth, for the one time that you did, you like, like for being an emotional robot, this was the time that that would have worked in your favor. Yeah, my dude. it, it would have been in his favor if he was like, logically speaking, this one's going to get overturned, overturned on appeal there. But anyway, uh, so sh- you're like... Well, stall, because the lawyers are going to stall. I'll f- I will fix it. I will. Kay says, I'll steal him back. Kay's like, let's go steal him back. And so you're like, all right, well, stall. She's like, okay, I will stall, but I don't think I can stall very long. Only maybe hmm, two hours. <laughs> so we have two hours. Two hours to save your son. Okay. Okay. I believe Regina Barry and Simon Keyes just kind of roll up like, oh, we were going to watch the trial today, but we'll help you find Sebastian. Uh, so you're like, okay, be gone. Um, we go outside. Will Powers is here. He plays Mozilla in the movie. He says John's in the trailer, like the for actors. So you go, he's not in the trailer, but you do get a videotape of him practicing like the night before. And there, dun dun, there are monster footprints. Oh, Ooh. we talked to a cop. We talked to Lada. We talked to Nicole Swift, Lada's little assistant. Back from case one. Yeah, protege. They say that the only cars that were in the turnaround that day were a taxi and a truck. The truck is still parked there. Um, The taxi picked up two men in black and their boy-sized box. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. So we, the taxi man's still there. Like, I guess he left and came back. So we asked the taxi man, like, where did you take the men in their boy box? And he takes us, he's like, yeah, sure, get in, I'll drive you. And so he takes us to Blaze DeBest's house. We walk into the open garage of Blaze DeBest's house and find that there's a motorcycle, there's a boy box, there's a dirty shovel, there's some nasty-ass gloves stained with dirt, and they're all red, and they spell out death on each of the fingers, but some of the lettering's a little bit rubbed off. This is important. 
It is. We hear weird thumping noises, not from the boy box. We open the door to the house that's inside the garage, and we find Sebastian DeVest all tied up on the floor. Oh, I thought Sebastian was in the boy box. He's on the floor in the house? He's on the floor in the house. Oh, okay. So we untie Sebastian. We're all standing in the garage now instead of going in the house. They didn't want to draw that. Um, they untie Sebastian. He's freaking out. He's like, I'm a failure, and I'm garbage, and terrible. Uh, I don't know why I was kidnapped, but the kidnappers blamed the owner of the house, and they asked if I knew Justine Courtney. Edgeworth is like, oh, they thought you were John Marsh. I guess... <laughs> Sebastian looks like a 13-year-old, and the 13-year-old looks like an 8-year-old. I just also think it's very funny that, um, all right, we're going to drop off the boy in the boy box, and we're just going <laughs> to chuck him in here. And, like, it's probably like Sebastian left his house and was going somewhere, and then they just took him back home. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, like, they took him out of the boy box, shoved him into the house, and then didn't close the garage. No. So, um, Sebastian mentions uh, like we get we co- kind of coax it out of him because he's freaking out he's like patricia roland only has the job as warden because blaze the best gave it to her and back when he was chief prosecutor and then back when he was chief prosecutor all evidence went through him so sebastian uh gave him the murder weapon from the patricia roland trial for safekeeping and blaze betrayed him and like took it and got rid of it so and this was to get roland acquitted so Edgeworth gives him a pep talk and and is like, Sebastian's like, I didn't even become a prosecutor for good reasons. I came, became it because I wanted to impress my daddy. And Edgeworth is like, it's okay to become a prosecutor for personal reasons. I became a prosecutor for personal reasons. It doesn't make you bad at it. But what you do have to do is decide what you're going to do with your life. And whether you deserve to be a prosecutor and follow the prosecutor's path is up to you. You just decide if you want to. It's and Sebastian's like, okay, I'm gonna be different than my father, and I'm the gonna walk the path of different than my father, and then he runs away. So cool. Edgeworth calls Ray on the phone, which rings in court, which literally would kill me. I would die on the spot. I would argue Michelle was dying during the stream about this. I was. It's so embarrassing. The idea of your cell phone going off while you're in the middle of a trial, like absolutely. I, I just want to die. Anyway, Ray's the worst lawyer ever. <laughs> so, but Edgeworth gives Ray an update about the connection and says that Blaze needs to take the stand. And then we hang up, go back to the Grand Tower. Sebastian's there briefly, and then he runs away again. We're like, oh, he came out of the tower. Probably he was in that secret room. So we go up to the secret room. Now there's a safe in there that's open. So we look in the safe. The safe has... Horace Knightley's ring and chessboard from the first and second case. If you remember, Horace Knightley was obsessed with guns in the first case. He was a murderer. Second case, he was in prison. He was playing correspondence chess. Uh, so he had a mm-hmm. little portable chessboard. And he had a ring that had the seal from the third case, Pierre Hoquet, the this, this sculptor from the third case, his seal, the dead guy. So we find the ring. We find the chessboard. We find a report from Roland saying she intended to interrogate Knightley about Sir Hendogan and that Blaze needs to retrieve something from a flower bed from 12 years ago. Wow. 12 years keeps popping up. I'm sure that has nothing to do with anything. No, not at all. So we leave the storage room back up to the viewing platform. And who's there? Shelly the killer's there. 
Hey, Shelly. So Shelly says, uh, in the first case, the, the first the presidential assassination case, he had been hired to kill the president, um, but that his client had betrayed his trust by giving him a false target. So he revoked his contract to kill the president, and now he's out for blood of the client in classic Shelly to killer fashion. Mm-hmm. Classy. Classy. Um, he also says, Sirhan Dogen escaped from prison three days ago. Have fun. Then <laughs> leaves. So that's cool. Um, we go back outside the Grand Tower, and this is when we get a phone call from the mastermind. Ooh. Ooh. The mastermind says, I can have John Marsh, and does a bunch of taunting, and, and is make, like taunting us with secrets from the conversation that Edgeworth had with Justine Courtney when Edgeworth was in prison. And mm-hmm. um, and then there's an explosion on the other end of the call, and then the call ends. And that's not good. No, that's not good. So Edgeworth's like, how could the mastermind know what I said to Justine Courtney when Justine Courtney came to prison pretending to be Detective Gumshoe and all of my items were taken away except Kay's badge? Aha! Kay's badge! It was bugged! And indeed, Kay's badge has been bugged. And Kay's pissed. Felicia, rightfully so. Rightfully so. So Kay's pissed. Uh, Nicole Swift is hanging out nearby. Um, she has a little radio thingy on her hip, a uh, microphone, and so she was intercepting the bug with her radio equipment. So you're like, hang on. You're intercepting the bug. That's very important. And she's like, okay, here's this recording of Muzilla. <laughs> this is what he sounds like when he's spitting fire. Um, at this point, I, Michelle, I start creating an insane theory that Nicole is the mastermind. I was a little sus that she was, but it was a little too obvious to me that she was standing there with her bug. I don't know. I thought it might be pretty cool. Like, maybe she pre-recorded the call. I thought it'd be fun. That would have been fun. Anyway. Dang. uh, dang. Michelle, Nicole's not the, Michelle's wrong again. Nicole's not the, except about that one boy dying in DGS. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Regina Berry and Simon Keyes. We're looking for Sebastian, remember? So they went near, like, where they're doing their carnival show, which is at the Sunshine Coliseum, famous for the place where um, Valent Gamoray and Phoenix Wright make the exchange of the secrets of the Gamoray magical line. <laughs> so anyway, Sunshine Coliseum. And they're like, there's a fair, and there's the performing, and there's lots of fireworks. Aha, fireworks, explosions. The mastermind was near the fireworks when he was on the phone. Uh, anyway, Gumshoe's here, so you go to Gumshoe, and you're like, hey, Gumshoe, I haven't seen you a lot this case. And he's like, oh, well, you didn't have your badge, sir, and I was busy doing capable investigating by myself. And he's like, uh, in the last case, when you needed an updated autopsy report, that was me. I did that. I got them to do that. And Edgeworth asks, Edgeworth is like, Gumshoe, please, I need your help on this one. There's a boy who's kidnapped. I need your help. And he like, is very nice, says very nice things. He says, I need your help as a friend, you know, instead of as your boss. And he like bows to Gumshoe. And Gumshoe's like, oh, gosh, okay, I, all right. And so he says, John Marsh went over by the garbage earlier. <laughs> so you go to the trash zone. In the trash zone, you find John Marsh, Marsh's milk carton, and you find a, a sign that says what times the garbage is taken out. 
Aha, uh -huh, the garbage. The garbage could fit a boy box. The mastermind put the boy in a boy box so the garbage would take him away. And then the mastermind went to the dump to collect the trash boy and then hid him somewhere else. And there's only two garbage dumps nearby. And uh, one of them is by Sunshine Coliseum. Aha, uh -huh, Gumshoe and K, go get the boy out of the boy box. <laughs> so they go to the dump and Edgeworth goes back to court because their time's almost up. So, Blaze is on the stand, being an absolute motherfucker. Um, but, oh-ho, Sebastian shows up. And Gumshoe calls, and they found the milk boy. So, everyone can live happily ever after. Uh, Sebastian tells the court that Blaze threw away the evidence wrapped in newspaper. Like, the chisel, the murder weapon. Yeah. He wrapped it in newspaper, and he threw it away. And Sebastian had just been at the dump, digging through the trash, trying to find the murder weapon. But... He only found the newspaper and a tiny bell wrapped in the newspaper. So Blaze is like, ah, you stupid boy, you're useless. Not so fast. The newspaper, Edgeworth is like, I've, I've seen this one. Turn the receipt over. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the newspaper has an oily handprint on it. And the handprint's from a very unique glove. And the glove says death on each of the fingers. And the tiny little bit worn away on the A is a little bit fucked. One of the little feet's gone. And so they're like, the, a the lab will analyze the dirt. And that will be, you know... That will be decisive, but the clearly these gloves are very decisive. So this is enough for Sebastian to like be like, thank you for everything, daddy, but I don't need you anymore. Um, and the cops are going to go find the chisel at the dump. Patricia Roland freaks out, and then she confesses that she asked Blaze to get her out of this mess by kidnapping Courtney's son. This is when Lang busts in. And you're like, Lang, you're too late. She confessed. We did it. And Lang's like, I don't care about that. They can go to prison because they were responsible for the SS5 incident 12 years ago. I don't care about that. But Judge Courtney and John Marsh murdered President Huang. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Okay, so the whole gang goes... Back to the crime scene. Now, court's over. Time time for time for murder time. Justine won't answer any questions about her meeting with the president. She's like, I have to keep a secret. I have to keep a secret. I have to keep a secret. We question John. We examine the inside of the wearable Muzilla costume. Edgeworth finds dirt inside the costume and little gray bits, which are concrete, which match Blaze's, like, nasty, gross gloves. Edgeworth is like, oh, well, clearly Blaze was here last night broke into the film lot, dug out the Mozilla footprints, and then hid inside this costume when John came back to practice. Logic. Eureka. Eureka. Lada and Nicole are still here, and they won't shut up about Mozilla. So they're saying, like, Mozilla, like, Penny thinks she saw Gordy last night, so Lada and Nicole and Penny are like, Mozilla was here fighting Gordy, and it was like a real fight. So quickly we're like, would you guys shut the fuck up? Gordy was the camera crane covered in a sheet. Y'all can't see shit for shit. Um, but we don't know about the glowing Mozilla eyeball in the, the window still. So Lada's like, Mozilla's real. We're like, shut up, Lada. <laughs> Absolutely shut up, Lada. So we get the autopsy back. President Dijun Huang died of being crushed gunpowder residue on his right hand but there's no gun we use mr analysis everyone's favorite mr analysis and we find president huang we use it on the practice video that that john had and we find president huang like in the shadows 
hiding creepily. It was so scary. (laughs) It was extremely scary. He's a big, giant buff dude, and he's just kind of looming in the background. He's got so many creases and shadows in his face. (laughs) So, at this point, John's like, okay, okay, I did commit an OSHA violation. I used the space heater on the roof of the studio. I left it on. It caught the table on fire, and then the head fell. And so, we're like, what about, uh, what about, did you see the body? And he's like, yeah, I saw the body. It was spotless. And we're like, it wasn't spotless. There's mustard on it. <laughs> what is this yellow stain? And so he finally admits like, yes, okay. There, he had these yellow flowers on him that were crushed on him. The yellow flowers were exactly the kind my mom has at the, all the time, which are called lion lilies. And so he knew that they were connected to his mom. So he threw them away so that Judge Courtney would not be suspected. So Edgeworth is, Lang is still being a motherfucker. So Edgeworth is like, listen, John didn't do a, do a crime. He was drugged and kidnapped. Kay was drugged and kidnapped. He's fighting hard that they're both victims. And, he, and Edgeworth is like, Blaze is involved. We just need some new leads, right? And Lang's like, oh, you need new leads. What is, like, what about that case 12 years ago? And so you're like, what about this case 12 years ago? And just as we start that, Franzi rolls in. Franzi and Ray, uh, they just have the SS5 files that were sealed years ago, right? Uh, they say that Blaze was the prosecutor on the SS5 case, and apparently the case was automatically unsealed when Blaze's authority was revoked. Oh, how nice. Holy shit. Like, can you think about that for five seconds? If you ever have a prosecutor who was disbarred, or their even just their badge was taken, all of their sealed cases unseal, which is terrible for, like, children you know usually cases that are sealed are about children or domestic violence yes yeah i mean let's i didn't think about that but that's fucked it's bad policy more re- yeah. i just added to the pile of why the ace attorney like legal system's absolutely fucked anyway this case ss5 case one time the president president di Huang was kidnapped uh from an orphanage that orphanage was exactly where the Grand Tower stands now. Wow. What a coincidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Jack Cameron, remember Jill Crane's boyfriend, the photographer boyfriend, uh, that's when he was murdered. This is the case he was murdered in. So, president kidnapped, orphanage, Jack Cameron dies. So we're like, great, we have the case files, let's use Little Thief. I want to take a second here to talk about what we talked about last case and at the start of this, which is Jack Cameron was investigating an illegal black market auction ring that takes place at the top of the Grand Tower in a secret storage room. But he was investigating it before the Grand Tower was built at an orphanage in the middle of the night. You know, crime (laughs) takes place at uh, different times and different places. It's just (laughs) unexpected. I'm just saying, were they running a black market auction out of an orphanage? And if they were, why were they... They weren't doing it this night, because this night, Amoida happened. Yeah, I I don't know. Which just means that a grown man with a camera was skulking outside of an orphanage in the middle of the night. Well, we get his phone call, and he was coming off of a thing. Oh yeah, we're gonna... <laughs> we're gonna we'll get, get to, to that. that. Okay, Little Thief. 
Um, this is where we start insisting, and I, I, cause I rewatched a little bit to get, to take these notes. I don't know where we got this, but we do start insisting that Delicia Scones is the mastermind at this point. Oh, okay. We were waiting for her to come back, I believe. We just <laughs> I, wanted Delicia to... I think it was because everyone was here. Like, cause everyone's around all the time. So I think we were just yeah. like, where's Delicia? She must be the mastermind if she's not here. Okay, so we do this little thief shit. A bunch of absolutely, like, wild stuff happens during this investigation. We have to flip repeatedly between case file VR constructions and, like, witness photo VR construction and, like, past and present. And and everyone is here. Like, everyone is standing inside the little thief simulation at all times. John's here. Courtney's here. Francie's here. Gumshoe's here. Lang's here. Like, everyone is here. A lot is here. You. <laughs> Lana never left, don't you worry, she's still here. Lana never left. Um, So some of the wild shit includes, as Stephanie was just talking about, the most awkward voicemail of all time. And I do have the text of it. Please, please indulge. All right, here's the voicemail. Hello, Jill, are you asleep already? I'm in front of the facility now, but something's not right. President Huang is here of all places. And what's more, dot, 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 crap, the light just went off. I can barely see a thing now. I can't believe it, but it almost looks like he's being kidnapped. I thought I'd let you know. Thunk. That's it. That's the voicemail. That's the whole voicemail. That's the whole voicemail. I I will detract and say that we did make a lot of jokes about how weird that voicemail was. This Jill, are you did are you asleep? And then proceeds to talk to her this was, about yeah, this. This was Jam's joke. So immediately Jam made this joke in the chat that was like, "Babe, wake up! The president is Zengfaz being kidnapped, and you've hardly touched your Baja Blast," which we, was very funny, and we ran it straight into the fucking ground. It's still. <laughs> Very funny. Babe, are you asleep? You didn't finish your Baja Blast is is peak comedy. Thank you, Jams. So I just, I wanted to bring that up because that's Jams' joke that we kept repeating. Thank you, Jams, for that fucking gem of a joke. We can move on now. Okay. So at the, at the orphanage, more wild shit. Flower beds, still there. Construction of an entire skyscraper, these flower beds, still there. Um, nice flower beds. Pretty good flower beds. They show a picture at one point of the president being kidnapped and there's this trench-coated person in khakis and a fedora and they're pointing a gun at the president. Uh, and I start insisting at this point that that's Ray Shields and that Ray Shields is the mastermind. Swing and a miss. A swing and a miss. Although I will talk with Kevin about this next time because I still think that would have been sick as hell. <laughs> yes. I was afraid Ray was was the mastermind for a while. Yeah, um, Kevin disagrees, but we'll talk about that with that with with Kevin about all that next time. Yes, there is also a snowman in this picture. Oh yeah, there's there's a snowman, a dinky little snowman with like its eyeball removed, and um, we spend a great deal of time talking about shoes. <laughs> we do, we sure do. So to summarize, the body was found near the flower beds in a puddle of blood, but actually, the body. Uh, was killed near the front gate next to the tiny snowman underneath a street lamp. However, they find a child's drawing that was not drawn by Lang's dad, but was inside Lang's secret diary in Zengfa, and it reveals that Siren Dogen killed the president of Zengfa in front of the orphanage flower beds, and then Jack Cameron, the photographer, was killed because he was a witness and moved from the snowman to on top of the blood from the president's murder by walking very precisely in the footsteps that James Cameron, 
or Jack Cameron head and then putting the big shoes on the dead body. And then the president who has survived until now is actually a body double who was a body double at the time. And the photo of the kidnapping was faked. And the trench coated man uh, was the moiterer. Is that all making sense? Jack is dead. The president's not dead. President is dead. Real president dead. Fake president alive. Jack Cameron dead, but in the blood puddle from the president. Sirhan Dogan murdered the president. And the trench-coated person killed Cameron. That's correct. Yeah, with a brick. With a brick. All right, we can... Okay. So, uh, there was an orphan that drew this picture... Like, saw the incident with the president being killed by Sarah Dogan. Uh, Lang says, because this is Lang's daddy's evidence, the orphan who drew this disappeared seven days after the incident. The orphan who drew this had a horn that fit specifically into the president's Mozilla doll, and Lang happens to have it because his daddy had it. Thanks, Lang. We're like, okay, that, that horn will play a recording, and uh, Justine Courtney's like, no, don't do it. And you're like, shut up, Justine, and you shove it into the doll and you play the recording. And the recording reveals that the real president of Zangfa was John Marsh's father, and John Marsh's real mother was Courtney's cousin Amy, and the president acknowledged John Marsh as his son in his will, and this is why Courtney met him on the roof. And John is like, my dad was the president of Zangfa? And he's dead. My dad was the president of Zangfa, and he's murdered, and I might have murdered him, and then he runs away. Yeah, he ain't doing so hot. He ain't doing so good. So clearly, uh, this means that the body double, Sirhan Dogan, like, body double hired Sirhan Dogan, uh, Blaze was involved, and Roland was involved. So there was a conspiracy between the body double, Roland, and Blaze. And Patricia Roland used to work at this fucking or- orphanage or whatever before she became a warden. You know. Like you do. Um, and they- A job's a job. So Edgeworth figures out that the body had been buried into one of these flower beds, and that the note we had about digging him up like digging up something from the flower beds from 12 years ago was that Blaze needed to move the remains uh, out of these fucking flower beds. So now Jill Crane at the time swore vengeance because she knew that Blaze killed her boyfriend, the photographer who was skulking outside of an orphanage for 12 years. And she was like figuring out what happened when she was die- when she was killed. Right. Mm-hmm. Lang says, oh, clearly my daddy figured out everything, but he hid it because the death of the president would cause so much chaos. So, wow, what a brave hero my daddy is to take a hit to his honor instead of, like, alert the country that a fucking fraud was running the place. Wow, blessed be. Thank you, daddy. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so we're going over all this, and so, okay, like, daddy, president's murder, and we look over to the left, Sirhan Dogan's here, what? (laughs) He's just here. He's just here. He's just here. So Dogan's like, lol, I'm looking for the boy who saved my life 12 years ago. He hasn't responded to any of my letters. So I broke out of prison to go check on him. Also, by the way, that's your mastermind. The boy that I sa- that saved my life 12 years ago. The orphan that drew that picture. That's your mastermind. And he's also like, by the way, Blaze and Roland and the body double all conspired to kill me. So I was going to kill the president and they were going to betray and kill me. But the orphan heard about it and set some shit on fire as a distraction, and I escaped. And then I came back seven days later to save that orphan and take him under my wing and train him to be a professional assassin. So you're all like, cool. 
And then Dogen's like, okay, on December 24th, 18 years ago, I found two children freezing to death in a locked car and I rescued them and sent them to this very orphanage. And these boys went are the are the ones who went missing during Edgeworth's daddy's last case, the IS-7 incident. The children of Dane Gustavia and Pierre Holquet. That's these children. And they were locked in that car for so long they had amnesia. And it was fate that one of those boys was the one to save my life when I killed the president of Zhang Fa. And that's why I took him under my wing, because destiny said so. And you're like, cool, Dogen. And Dogen's Dogen, like, you sure <laughs> knew a fuck ton of information that you've just decided yeah. now casually to drop on yeah, us. Yeah, you're like, oh, thank God, Dogen, that you have the entire plot here. And Dogen's like, I, ha- I wasn't actually threatening Patricia Rowland in prison. I was blackmailing her because she knew that the presidential assassination happened and she tried to kill me. So I was blackmailing her because if she didn't treat me good, I would reveal that the president of Zhang Fa had been assassinated and that she had purchased my services to do it. And also I heard the recording of the Mozilla doll and I knew all about John Marsh and shit uh, because my first stab of the president actually cut off the Mozilla horn and played that recording. And then my second stab killed the president. And you're like, Cool, Dogen. <laughs> Could you chill for a minute? <laughs> the game surely is almost over, isn't it? <laughs> Dogen's just admitted to everything at this point. Yeah, I don't have very much left, actually. <laughs> so, Edgeworth, galaxy brains, but not even because Dogen just literally texted it to us. In, you know, like, <laughs> like, literally just said all of it. So, Edgeworth is like, Dogen, the letters you received in jail, the correspondence chest, yours were in Braille that this boy sent you but then we saw the correspondence just from horace knightley and that was typed which means somebody was intercepting the letters and translating everything so who would intercept the letters and send them to horace knightley well it would be his only friend and also simon keys simon keys did it who's who's somebody who would have access to a hot air balloon that might look like a mozilla eyeball outside a, a window simon keys who you know the only people who have hot air balloons are from the circus everything about the orphan and everything is simon keys so Simon Keys is the mastermind. What? So at this point you say, aha, it's Simon Keys and Dogen escapes. <laughs> so, you know, that's fine. I think like John Marsh tries to attack him as he's leaving because John Marsh has sworn vengeance about the man who killed his father. But, you know, that's fine. Of course, the child can't stop Sirhan Dogen, professional assassin. And luckily he doesn't get eaten by a dog because the dog is attacking us, Miles Edgeworth. Anyway, so we have a plan. We, we're like, okay, we're going to go confront Simon. Gumshoe. Pss, 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 pss. So we have a plan. We go to the circus to confront Simon. Simon has Everyone his, comes with. Every single person except Gumshoe who's doing like business comes with. So Simon has a heel turn. He's dressed like a fucking clown. Uh, Stephanie, do you want to describe his heel turn? I could do it. But uh, I'll give you a vocal cords of arrest. I could describe the Simon Keys heel turn. Uh, let me just pull up a photograph so I can make sure I encapsulate it all. So uh, Simon Keys uh, normally his normal look very like soft. He's got these dumb little pigtails up, and his hair is down. He's wearing usually a, a just like a pink zip up hoodie and a blue sweatshirt and some roll up same same rolled up jeans that Marsh had. Uh, when he heel turns into a clown, he's wearing a, like, pink and purple striped classic clown, like, I was gonna say onesie, but turns out he's wearing just billowy purple pants underneath. He's got a, like, classic Victorian ruff around his neck. 
His entire face is painted white. He's got a little like pink or big, pretty big pink like teardrops under his eyes and his hair is completely down. So he's got like curtain bangs and the rest of his hair is down. His eyes are opened, which is most noteworthy. Uh, and do you want me to talk about his animation? <laughs> we can do that. What I, I'll, write, I'll read what I have written here. Hang on. Um, oh, God. He's leaning on a gopher, holding up a cat, and his animal friends come and like help him with his hair all the time. And his personality goes from quiet and shy to a cocky asshole who laughs too much. That's what I have written here. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Like when he does the heel, like the transformation to evil, like uh, his animal, like Money the Monkey, and all these animals come and put his hair down and like touch up his face for him. And then when he holds his hands out, uh, some of these like chipmunks or gophers or whatever they are, like juggle themselves in his hand. But they do it wrong. That's not how you juggle, apparently. <laughs> uh, well, they're animals, so they're not juggling, really. They're doing stuff. No, they stunts. sure aren't. I, I'm really upset. Uh, somebody has photoshopped Simon's face onto Gendy's body from uh, the fifth case, or from from the uh, Soba case. Oh, the clown. Clown case. This is an upsetting photo. I've just looked oh, upon. Oh, don't look. Stop looking. Uh, we're gonna stop looking at that. Let's continue okay. on with Simon Keys. We'll continue. Okay. So Simon's whole deal, like I'm summing up because we have to do a lot of work to get shit out of this dude. So Simon's whole deal is he always hated Horace Knightley because he believed that Knightley locked them in the car that night, that fateful December twenty fourth, to freeze to death during the cooking competition. And so Simon swore revenge for the death of his father, Isaac Dover. And also he manipulated everyone who's ever been involved with that case, uh, Daddy Edward's last case, so that they would do crimes and get caught and go to prison or be murdered. Cool. So Edgeworth, like, we're going to do this one and then we'll do the case part. So Edgeworth proves during this discussion that actually Horace Knightley had Pierre Hoquette slash Isaac Dover's ring. So... In your amnesia, when you were locked in the freezing car, Simon Keys, uh, you actually forgot who your fucking dad was, and your dad was not Horace Knightley. Actually, your dad was Dane Gustavia, the murderer, uh, and this, he eventually breaks based on this. So, But Edgeworth mm-hmm. does a lot of like, uh-ho, oh, you just used all the methods that your daddy did, but, you know, you, you are, you're actually a bad person. So, okay, what happened? Simon drugged Kay at Gord Lake, told her to meet him at Gord Lake, drugged Kay, then transported her by hot air balloon to the top of the Grand Tower. At that time, the body double was on the roof after meeting with Courtney. Courtney had left, so he's hanging out there with his flowers. Uh, Seeing the hot air balloon, the body double pulls out a fucking gun and starts (laughs) shooting at the balloon. Sure does. Keys, Simon Keys, instead of like anything else he could have done, lands the balloon on the body double, crushing him to death. Then he dumps Kay's body on the roof. She'll wake up soon. Uh, and then she'll fall. Yeah, then she'll fall. Um, dumps. He takes the body of the president and then he uses the same technique that Dane Gustadio does, which is freezing him for a few days so that the, the murder time would be changed right so he takes the body in the hot air balloon and goes and stashes the hot air balloon in the storage location that the circus has rented out to keep the cold food for the animals so he just shoves the body in those freezers this is the same place that they found john marsh the boy in the boy box they put him the milk boy he was cold he was on ice it's fine he's not expired 
Um, he then tried to pin the murder of the president on John Marsh with the falling of the Mozilla head plan because he also knew all this shit about John Marsh and the president. And he'd be like, ah, when they figure it out, they'll think that John Marsh killed the president because the president either was his daddy or killed his daddy, depending on how you think of it. So it's fine. He fucked up, though, because the evidence that gets him is he hid John Marsh in the same freezer he hid the president's body, and that freezer was contracted by Big Barry Circus to keep the animal food, and also there's a bullet embedded in the bottom of the balloon basket, and also there's flower pollen on the mustard on the bottom of the balloon basket. So he done did fucked up quite a bit. Also, he left his fucking car in the turnaround. The blue truck that was in the turnaround in front of the Grand Tower, that's the that's the balloon transporting car. He just yeah, left it there. Left it there. So Keys freaks out, or Simon Keys, he freaks out, his animals, and also you're like, also your dad was shitty. And then all the animals turn on him and attack him. Great. Breaking Hooray. animation. But wait, just then, who shows up? Shelly the killer. He's coming for Keys. He's going to kill him. He's got a knife. Now we understand why is because Simon Keyes hired him to kill President Huang, knowing that the real president was actually dead 12 years ago, and this is a body double, which is a violation of Shelley DeKiller's code. You sent me after the wrong person, and so I am going to kill you now. I don't make the rules, I just follow them. He does, so Shelley DeKiller is coming at him with a knife. Just then, Siren Dogen appears, Wah! and he's got his chisel, and he counters Shelley DeKiller. So now it's Shelley DeKiller and, and Siren Dogen in a knife fight, and they both got like knives to each other's throats. It's fucking cool as hell. And so, Hell yeah. So Dogen is like, this child was the child that saved me 12 years ago, and he's also my mentee, and I would do anything to protect him. Eye contact. And so Shelly the Killer's like, fine, I'll kill him a different day. And then it disappears. It was very cool, though. It's very I, cool. I, <laughs> the assassins and Ace Attorney are the only people who have morals in, that stick to them. <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah, including Phoenix Wright. And if you want me to go on a diatribe about that, we can talk about Apollo Justice again at great length. Anyway, <laughs> so Dogen is then like, all right, Simon, time for us to go home. And he takes Simon to prison with him. And for some reason, everyone is fine with this. So they leave. They fucking leave. The cops yeah. don't arrest them. They just go back to prison, question mark. The prison that Sirhan Dogen runs uh-huh. Yeah, and Simon, who has not been charged with a crime or arrested, goes to prison with him. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that happened. And so two days later, we just smash cut two days later, uh, we're all in the um, prosecutorial investigation committee room, you know, because that's where we hang, you know. Yeah. Uh, Edgeworth is, like, thinking about the parallels between himself and Simon Keyes, and he's like, both of us had dead daddies, and both of us had daddy issues, and... uh. But I decided to, you know, like, like I could have followed my daddy's path and become a defense attorney, just like Simon Keyes followed his daddy's path and became a murderer. <laughs> but uh, so I was like, I think I'm going to stay a prosecutor and fight corruption from if the system from the inside. And emotions are good, actually. And then Justine Courtney gives him his badge back. The end. ba da ba ba da ba da ba ba uh, yeah, everyone lives happily ever after. It's a good game. Yeah. Probably one of the better Ace Attorney games, especially in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good game. Everyone was right. It was extremely good, and we'll never get it in this country ever. No, but at least we had the chance and opportunity to play it together. Mm-hmm. I am glad, and um, I am glad that we all got to play it together and on stream. 
I will say lots of people in the stream and Med Leroy in, in his email all said that this case is the longest case in Ace Attorney, period, but also in investigations too. And I don't think it was. For one, no. uh, we just summarized it in 45 minutes <laughs> instead of like the other ones. Uh, but I really truly believe that the Edgeworth Daddy case was longer than this one. I also agree. I mean, I never went back and looked at the videos and like broke up like the hour by hour play. But I think everyone gets case four and five lend each other so well to each other that I think people just think it's almost like one long case. Yeah, that the K amnesia case and this case are like lumped. But since they're two different ones, like I don't think that this one is the longest one. I think no, that it, it, it has some substance to it, though. It it's got and... heft, yeah. It's a hefty one. It's a good one. It's a good final case. Everything is involved the whole game. I love that. Which is nice. Very nice. Cleans everything up. Everyone's here, including Lada. The only person who's missing is Delicia Scones. <laughs> Larry does not come back either. Thank God. Not that I was complaining, but he did not come back. That's true. Uh, but we got Lada instead. Lada and Nicole. Right. Yeah. Uh, I. The only thing I think is that the way since we were playing it weekly... And I was like, okay, like, we're going to do the final case now. And we played the final case and it was questioning Simon Keys. I felt like that, I don't want to say it was too easy, but I felt like that wrapped up very quickly. I'm used to a final boss being so much harder than Simon ended up being. Yeah, and and most final bosses, their, like, whole deal is, like, I'm too powerful, you can't stop me. Um, but Simon's whole deal is, like, well, that's not a crime. Like, every stage you're like, you... Flew a hot air balloon. Well, that's not a crime. And he's like, you didn't pin any crimes on me. It's like, motherfucker, you drugged two children. But did I? Or did I just transport them in balloons? <laughs> did I just fly them around in my whimsical hot air balloon? Like, no, you drugged two children. That's a crime. It's a crime. <laughs> and your daddy's going to take you to jail. Or your your adopted daddy. Yeah, your adopted doggy daddy is, not, is taking you to prison. Uh, but also, like, even if he hadn't crushed a dude with a balloon... He did do crimes. He did lots of crimes. He did lots but not of as many crimes per minute as Blaze the Best. Best. Blaze the Best, he, the, the all-time victor of crimes per minute. Like, that <laughs> man cannot be stopped. Uh, but great great characters, good growth, just good plot, just like a correct amount of Ace Attorney whimsy. Yeah. Except asterisk, fuck Ray Shields. <laughs> We'll talk about fuck Ray Shields next time, I think. And I yes. will say, uh, talking about villains, I suppose, is like Blaze was much more uh, hostile. I'm not going to say threatening because I didn't believe that Blaze could physically harm anyone. But uh, <laughs> even though he did so many murders, like when you're when you're up against Blaze, you're not like physically threatened, but you are. He is extremely hostile to you. Um, yes. Simon, on the other hand, is just like, what bro <laughs> like that's not a crime. come at me <laughs> it's not a crime if the police don't find out and you're like but i am the police like fuck you <laughs> <laughs> and then like just the two assassins at the end and throughout the entire plot like it's just very well weaved it's yes. a very good story i do want to talk about the two assassins at the end with when kevin is here because kevin disagrees with me on this but it would have been much cooler i think if Simon Keys had gotten sicked one of the tigers on them, so it was a three-way knife, knife to knife to tiger. You know what I mean? That would have been cool. That would have been. There cool. are a lot of there are a lot of cool things that they could have done. Uh, 
but like let us into Blaze the Best House, they didn't want to draw it. I think I know. Yeah, they didn't want to draw it. I I get why it didn't happen, and I and Kevin's argument is that Simon Keys's archetype would never do that. Like Simon Keys's personality is not the type to do that, and the fact that Simon Keys is flat on his ass at the end while two fucking cool dudes are having a knife fight is better fitting of the character. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. But it yeah, would have been okay. cool, though. But even if it was a bluff, because, like, even if he, like, put up the tiger against those two, and then, like, fucking Regina's like, no, 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 come here, and the cat just walks yeah, away. Yeah, wouldn't that have been, that would have been, like, the ultimate, is, like, but the, at that point, his abandoned, his animals had turned on him, probably because they treated, he treated them badly the whole time. But, yeah. uh, so it, it wouldn't have worked, I guess, narratively because his animals had turned on him. But it would have been very, very funny if the tiger, it was immediately, like, Regina was like, quit playing around, tiger, and went to be with her. <laughs> uh, and my only, my only other confusion still is, why did Lada have to come with us to the circus tent? <laughs> I don't know. Because also, Lada was not writing about the case. Like, if Lada had been like, oh, yeah, no, this is the biggest scoop ever, like, and written about the case... Because it's the fucking murder of the president of Zhang Fa, like, in front of her. Uh, but no, she was fucking on that Mozilla shit. She really was, and whatever. So be it. Yes, and to wrap up, because I, I know last time Jing was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mozilla Eyeball was the lit up hot air balloon. She thought that the she was in, like, a sort of stupor, and she thought that the hot air balloon was the eyeball of Muzilla. Muzilla's not real. Yeah, but she believes in her heart. Yeah. Even though we all know in our hearts that Lot is an idiot. <laughs> the real thing that I wanted to, I wanted to know the answer to is why was the president dead body buff as hell when we know that the the body double like melts? But that's fine. It doesn't matter. Maybe he like he like re-upped his Botox before he died. Maybe or maybe the suit is like cast formed to him. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he just, like, got a new suit that didn't quit on him like the first one did. Uh, but that's it. That's Investigations 2. That's it. Electric Boogaloo, Prosecutor's Path. We did it. We got, we lost our badge and we got it back. Yeah. Sister Act 2. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the plot of that movie. Never seen it. Uh, don't, don't want to. Anyway, so, I, like we said, next episode we're gonna get Kevin on. We're gonna do a full recap of thoughts, feelings of all Investigations 2. So any any comments about Investigations 2, please send us an email, objecttothispodcast at gmail.com or you can choose a message on Tumblr, objecttothis.tumblr.com. If you want to just share more excitement about, you know, the, the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, also hit us up. Yes, yes. If, if you find any good tweets like Michelle did, hit us up. Yeah, funny tweets always in business. We still got feed the we still got feed this damn podcast for a few while. So come on, bring it, bring bring the discussion, bring us your DGS speculations. I guess I should stop calling it DGS now, huh? G A A. Ugh, ugh. Mm. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll do, worry about that later. Yeah, bring us your chronicles. Um, bring us your chronicles. Bring us your chronicles. And um, thank you, Dark Shadow Rage 2 off the YouTubes for the use of our theme song, Hey Pal, a Detective Gumshoe remix. Thank you, Michelle, for the garbage at the end. Thank you, Podbean, for being our beautiful bean home. And uh, if you want to find us on Podbean, go ahead and Google Podbean object to this, because I don't remember the URL. That's okay, because you could also find us on Stitcher, on Spotify, on whatever RSS feed you use. Apple Podcasts. That one, too. Rate and review us while you're over there. Or, you know. Don't. I don't care. Yeah, I do care. Don't. Please do. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, so in the meantime, I'm Stephanie. I'm Michelle. And that was Object to This, so why don't you object to that? 